Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. For today's episode, we have Phil with us today. And this just came to my mind because we are all together in person right now. So, Phil, set the scene right now. Where are we? <laughs> what are we doing? Set the scene. All right, so currently we are sitting poolside, which is a, I don't know, pretty luxurious <laughs> beachside poolside in Clearwater Beach, Florida at the Wyndham Grand Hotel. For us, this is a pretty exciting and special weekend for the mastermind group that we are a part of with Greg Todd through his Elite Beyond the 1% mastermind program. And for us, we all just got here. It's Friday night, chilling, having a couple drinks. Me, maybe more than a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kind of hanging out before we get into learning and trying to become better as clinicians, better as professionals, better as business people, to try and serve our target audience to help people and just, yeah, help the world. So I'm excited about this weekend, personally. Yeah. Um, and we'll see where the weekend goes. It's an exciting weekend. And that was a that was a really good set this evening. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, Phil, if you want to talk a little bit about your journey to PT and all the way up to where you currently are today. Oh, my God. Story time. All right. So <laughs> if you're listening to this and you know who I am, you know that I can talk for forever. <laughs> These two know that, <laughs> for better or for worse. So I'm gonna kind of speed through a lot of undergrad really quickly, but I think it's relevant. So I actually started out as an engineering, mechanical engineering student in a different school than where I went to PT school. I transferred because I knew I wanted to go to Northeastern University in Boston. That's just kind of, you know, I had that draw there. So I transferred and I was a finance and accounting major there. And then I was playing indoor soccer. I tweaked my knee a little bit. I had some knee pain. I couldn't sit and lecture. And uh, I went home around Thanksgiving time, and I saw this, like, he had to be 84. Old, old orthopedist guy. You knew he was towards the end of his career. And he looked at me, and looked at the x-ray, and was like, you have chondromalacia patella. And I was like, what the fuck is that? So I was like, I went home, and that's, he didn't really do a great job of telling me what that meant, right? It was like, my knee hurt, I couldn't sit in a lecture hall where the, you know, you have less leg room than you do on a Spirit Airline can confirm from today's flight. And I had to like sit in the aisle and walking and stairs and everything hurt. So somebody had chondromalacia patella and then I went home and I started reading and reading and reading. And then I kind of got, I got the itch, I got the hooked. And so then I went to sports doc at Northeastern and then he sent me to PT and they both asked me the same question. When I told them all this information that I regurgitated from reading about it was, they asked me, so do you study this? And I was like, no. <laughs> The PT was like, why not? Like, you clearly did your research and did some homework and, like, probably enjoyed doing it, I hope, if you did it for as long as it seems like. So that was my first, like, hey, maybe you should kind of look into the P 
PT thing, but I've had so many injuries. I, I've had concussions. I've sprained my ankles numerous times. I'm convinced I broke my collarbone playing sports, football, soccer, growing up and whatnot. So I've had my fair share, but I didn't have that first like real intro to PT younger than undergrad. So undergrad, I applied to transfer into PT. I didn't actually get in initially and I had to retake chemistry, which was the only transferable class, which I think is relevant with a lot of PT students listening that sometimes you got to take a step back to take a step forward. So I had to retake chemistry, go from a C plus to an A minus, and then kind of show the PT department like, hey, you've bounced around like four majors between in three years at two schools. You know, <laughs> how do we know you're actually going to keep up with this? So I, I had to show some perseverance with that. So after I reapplied and after I retook chemistry and was like, hey, this is for real, I got into the program at Northeastern. Northeastern had past tense. They had a three plus three program. So you could do undergrad and then like grad school for PT school all in one within six years, which I think is an awesome thing for people who know what they're going to be doing and like, I want to be a PT, that's it. But you still have the option if you don't know and you end up somewhere else in a kinesiology degree or SI science or like something else, I think it still gives you the opportunity because after our third year of undergrad, we then switched to the PT program as like the graduate courses that we all kind of know. And that's when we had the, what we called the post-bacs because they were post-baccalaureate, they had their bachelor's degree already. Those guys came in and joined our, we came in as freshman or I came in as a sophomore transfer student into the PT program. And so then we went through the next two and a half, three years together. So it was really interesting to see how that played out. And that's how I started PT school. And I had a couple of friends within the program, but it was, I think, interesting to see almost the split in the room of like people who <laughs> didn't know anybody, but were older because they were actually in grad school. And the people who came in through undergrad together and went through a bunch of classes, you know, your basic physics and chemistry, and like intro to you know, like modalities, like how to get a hot pack and make an ice bag, which is super cute, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but um, important nonetheless, if you're going to be like a rehab aide, which Northeastern sets up nicely as a co-op program where you can get paid to do it for six months and be exposed to that, which I think is a great opportunity and as part of your foray into PT. And then as time goes on, like it, it meshes and the, you know, there's not a divide and people get to know each other. And then all of a sudden, like we're all just one big conglomerate with, with like our own circles and people we tend to hang out with, get through PT school and then graduate. I graduated, what was it, May of 2018. Finished up with three clinicals in total. First one was eight weeks at MGH Sports PT. Second one was outpatient at Atlantic Rehab, which is like an outpatient hospital uh, clinic, hospital-based clinic. And then my last one was inpatient and I was not an inpatient person, but like I loved it, which is kind <laughs> of like interesting. On the brain injury floor at Kessel Rehab in West Orange, New Jersey. Awesome experience there, considering it was my first introduction into inpatient and then something a little bit more non-orthopedic to say the least. Then graduated and then, you know, took the MPTE, thank God I passed, and then <laughs> went from there, got a job, and I don't want to say the rest is history because there's a lot of history from that statement to now, but I will stop there and hopefully get some redirection. <laughs> there's, a there's a lot. Okay, so can you just summarize the school transitions? Where did you start? Then what was the next school? Then what was then where was PT school? All right, so I, it was mechanical engineering at Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken. I was good at physics and calculus, so like it kind of makes sense okay. to go into engineering. I was doing that and I was decent at it, but I didn't really care about it. And I was like, all right, well, I gotta do something else. But Stevens was like engineering and then business and technology, mainly for their athletes, right? Yeah. As a D3 school. So I switched into biz tech where I actually, I can't say became friends with, but for anybody who's super in the tech world, I was in a number of classes with Marquise Brownlee 
and he's big in, in tech. He, he's the type of guy who goes to like Apple release of the new iPhone. And he was at Tesla's reveal last night for their new pickup truck. Like he, he does a lot of reviews and whatnot. He's been building out that presence online and he's doing amazing stuff. So it's kind of cool for me to say that I went to college with him, but he didn't even need that degree, let's be honest. So I was in business technology and then I was like, I still wanna to go to Northeastern. So I transferred to Northeastern after my freshman year as a finance and accounting student. And then from there, that's when I had my introduction to, hey, maybe PT could be an option. Applied to PT, I got denied and had to take another semester to retake chemistry because I had a C plus as a freshman at Stevens because I had a great time and it didn't really matter <laughs> in my 18 year old mind. And I also volunteered slash shadowed at a PT clinic that was like right near and on campus at Northeastern just to hang out, like clean tables, you know, grab ice packs off people as they needed, ask questions, talk to, with people and kind of hear their experience as patients. And then also kind of see what PTs went through. You know, I did two to four hours at a clip and I did like, I don't know, 40 hours over the course of a month or so, month of March. And then I reapplied, wrote my essay and think, you know, I got into the PT program and uh, went from there. And we had another year or so of like still undergrad classes before we got to the meat and potatoes of PT school. And then from there, I think that's where like you get, it gets really interesting. Of, so we had about, we talked a little bit about the three plus three as an option, but we had about 60 of us in that to start. And then when they add the postbacks, they added another, you know, almost 50 or 60 of those. So we had like 110 people when we started at an unfortunately named time, what they call hell year for us in PT school, because it's, January is the beginning of that year where the postbacs come in. Like they start PT school in January, which I think is a little bit different than a lot of other programs from what I understand. But postbacs come in and you start as an undergrad, you're doing grad classes, but you haven't graduated, you haven't walked, you don't have that degree yet. So your mindset is still like, I'm an undergrad, but then it's like thrown into, you have to do grad school work and be able to meet those expectations next to people who might be 32 years old have a master's degree in something and have a career before this and now come into it. Or they did kinesiology and then they took two years as a strength coach and then they come in and they're ready to rock and roll. And you're like, oh, I am not ready for this because I still live in like a frat house. <laughs> so, having my time on the weekend. So I had to, personally, I had to shift pretty significantly to figure that out. Hell year for us is a full semester in the spring, one week off, a full semester in the summer, like you would have in the spring or the fall, one week off, and then you had a full semester in the fall and you had spring break and you had, you know, like offer 4th of July and a couple other holidays like that. But it was like three straight semester of semesters of just push through. And it's kind of crazy because you think of how many people started and how many like it's like the weed out year in a way. And it's super hard. And I think it's a wake up call for a lot of people of like we're not messing around like this is the real deal. And you've got to be able to grind it out and decide, OK, like I'm going to put in all my effort and time into this so that I can quote make it and show that I can hang and I can be here. So I think that's pretty tough. We ended up, when I, by the time we graduated, I, I was number 89 in like the alphabetical order. I think there was like 91 or 92 of us overall. So if you think we went from 110 to let's say 90, we lost 20 people, which is on a rough estimate, I don't know, 15, 18% of the class that we lost. And some, there were a couple people who were like, you know what, this isn't for me. I don't wanna do this anymore. I went into something else. And some people who just like straight up, like their grades, they couldn't make it, which I think is unfortunate. Because I'm not necessarily a believer that you have to have great grades to be a great PT. Because my GPA was not great. Like I started out, I think it was a three, four 
my first semester, and then it was a 3-1 the second semester, and then it was like a 3-0-8. Like, I was downward trending the entire time that first year, because for me, it was like, I had to learn how to learn. I had to learn how to study. I had to figure out how to play the game, and I had, I hate to say this, I was like fortunate enough to be smart enough to not have to try super hard in high school, and then in certain classes in beginning of college, and then you get to PT school, and it's like, bam, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Not, I wasn't ready for it. And I, like I said, I was still, I still kind of have that undergraduate mindset. Transferring, most of my friends were a year younger than I was. And so they were still, you know, 20, turning 21. And like, we're, we're still going through that aspect of like, hey, I've got this freedom, I can go out to bars, I can still like have a party and have a great time. And I was like, I have to learn and meet the highest expectations that I've ever had to meet in my entire life before this moment. So that was a huge wake up call. And fortunately I had some time away with Northeastern's co-op program to step away from the didactic classroom portion to go to South Africa for six months where I lived in Cape Town, work on a tuberculosis research study with a PhD student from the University of Cape Town on her. Uh, they looked, we looked at people who get TB and get better with their meds. Some people like they, they get TB, they take their meds, they're cured of the disease and they go back to life like, like nothing happened. And some people get TB, they take their meds, they're quote cured, but their lungs and their quality of life is shot and they are just screwed at that point. And they are left to shit because like that, you know, they can't function. So we tried to find, you know, what markers can we find that correlated? Spirometry, six minute walk tests, blood pressure. Like we did a whole bunch of stuff that was very much irrelevant to PT, which was super cool to see in a different light than I had been exposed to, which I think a lot of people get exposed to that orthopedic outpatient. I sprained my ankle, I had knee surgery, my back hurts, you know, different scenarios. So that was really cool. And then also just a really cool life experience overall. Um, and then I came back and then I was I was ready to go. So I was able to kind of hone in some stuff and hunker down, study and say, okay, I need to cut some things out of my life a little bit. Kind of say no a few more times to different things, which I think is a an undervalued skill of saying no. Because there's a lot of times where people are like, hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do this club? Hey, let's go here. Hey, let's, let's go to... Panama City Beach for the week for spring break. You're like, and you're like, well, I don't have any money and I don't have any time because like I got to spend spring break studying for this anatomy yeah. practical or this you know MSK practical or neuro final. And you're like, oh god. So it's kind of a you you recognize how to. I, I figured out how to prioritize a little, prioritize a little bit better. I think that was like a big thing for me. You you really got it. You, you have to. Otherwise, I I think that's a big thing is prioritization and a little bit of time management, and then effort and discipline. I think if I had to say like 7,000 things, those would be four. <laughs> those would be four. We're out of 7,000 here. 15 minutes in. <laughs> you said a lot so far. You've already answered like our questions crush in advance. But oh, crush. what was your experience during PT school? What was like the toughest part? And then what was your favorite part? Oh, toughest. I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with toughest part first. Um, for me, it was hell year. Like I said, because I had to figure it out. So. I was also involved, I was also the president of, a, of my fraternity's chapter on campus at that time. So like I, during hell year, the president stepped down and then we had a, like a sudden re election and I was like, here's an idea. And I ran for you know, the presidency and won. And then, so like I had a very significant role going on at the same time in an extracurricular capacity. Before that, I got, I don't know how else to say this, like, but I was involved in a bar fight and I had a concussion and it messed me up for like two weeks. And so I ended up taking a practical exam like three days after, still concussed, absolutely. Which I didn't do great on, but I did okay enough to like get away with it. Yeah. And it just really messed me up in the first, you know, third of the semester yeah. to start off. 
So I think that was the hardest because then I was also in a brand new relationship at the time, which now I'm, you know, five years into. So like, uh, there was a lot of moving parts that I had to figure out, and a lot of pieces I had to figure out about myself to say, like, I have to learn me, and I have to learn how I best operate within this game, and then just me personally also. So I'd say that beginning six months of hell year was the toughest for me, and then I found a little bit of a groove, and then I got away. I was able to step back and then say, okay, I need to really hunker down, and I did, and then it paid off, I think. So my crates like skyrocketed. And I'm, I'm not going to go into that because I don't think it's important. They're like, oh, my GPA went to this or anything like that. But the, my favorite part of PT school or like of being a PT, treating, clinical, PT school. school. PT I need school, to narrow yeah. down. PT school. PT school itself. The whole like three years, anything within those three years. It could be clinicals. That's fine. Okay. It's not explicitly clinicals. I think it's a little bit more of an implicit idea, right? So something that I really bought into that I love about being a physical therapist now is not that it was like over harped on in an, in like a, it's too much way, but I think we had great, I think we had a great professor faculty staff that helped us guide us through the education process of PT school. But I think they did a great job of like reflecting of like, kind of think about how you're going to be able to affect people's lives for the better in this capacity of here's what your position to be able to do not for yourself but for other people and i think for me that really strongly resonates with how i view my approach to being a pt and how i try and approach practice because i think that carries over to why i am where i am right now sitting with you guys at the pool <laughs> drinking a tall boy white cloth <laughs> in the best way like it's not like oh we're degenerates but I, I'm actually doing a pretty good job of keeping all full no, guard yeah, we're all uh, and keeping it pretty tame. I've only yeah. dropped one F word so yeah, far. You're allowed to drop the F yeah. I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was kind of this idea of like showing you have the potential to have significant impact. And when you sit back and you think about that, even in school, like you haven't even necessarily had that impact. You haven't created that impact of seeing someone over the course of even 12 weeks or let's say after ACL surgery, you know, seven months, right, of a rehab, the profound effect you have on a person, and they get to go back to doing things and ideally become more autonomous as an individual when it comes to understanding of their health, their body, their physicality, understanding of their injury, pain, like the whole bit, I think, for me, I have like an image in my head of Professor Mary Hickey, who is one of my personal favorite professors. I think she did a great job of balancing the personal interpersonal side as well as like here are the things you have to know but also like it's not end all be all of this it's there's a lot of relationship there's a lot of uh, connection there's a lot of that type of interaction based that goes into care and I think she did a great job of presenting that so for me I, there's like a class like screenshot in my head of like this is the moment that I can go yeah okay I hear it from someone who's on the other side of this is kind of like why I do what I do. And you're telling me that I can do this too. And I fully believe in that. And I know that with what you're telling me, I should be able to get to a point where I can do that too. And that's really exciting. Because that's, I think why a lot of people get into PT school, to help people, to help them be active, help them get over pain and injury, help them to get back to doing things they love, to give back to people, to give to people, not even back, but to give and ideally make a little bit of a living. But it, it's a selfless, selfish profession in a way. 
for a lot of people. And I think it's unfortunate we have a lot of issues within the industry that kind of gloss over that and cloud that and hide that for a lot of people. It makes it tough to see that and give, you know, burnout and everything else, which I personally have experienced myself. But yeah, it's, I, I'd say like that concept, that moment, and I don't know what that is. It really, I can see, I can't describe it to you. It's a classroom moment like any other in, in lab where I was like, ah, like in my head, I can see it of this is my favorite moment in PT school. That is really great. And I think for a lot of people, until you actually have that moment, you don't, I don't know, you don't really realize it. And it's, it's until you actually see that and know after PT school <laughs> and now, you know, as a new grad, like seeing that. So transitioning, you know, you took the NPTE practicing as a new grad physical therapist. Yeah. So what did you expect? What did, yeah, first as of all, a new grad. Yeah. What did you expect? What as did I a new expect? Grad? Yeah. Oh my God. Versus that, reality. You know, it's tough. I feel like we hear <clears throat> what I expect versus reality. I look at like the first four days of my first job. I found a job to start in September after I took the MPT in July of 2018. And my first few days, I was just so excited that somebody was gonna pay me to do what I used to pay tuition to do on clinical, right? So instead of like losing money, I was, I was gonna get paid to do that same thing. So that was kind of mind blowing in itself. And I was just so excited to be able to, and I was excited on clinical to do what I did. But like the fact that I was gonna get paid for it at the same time, like was mind blowing. And I think that still is kind of mind blowing that I get paid to help people get better, to learn more about themselves and move forward past you know, whatever they're dealing with physically, orthopedically in my scenario. That, that is to me, I, I think very significant. And I remember in my first couple of days, I, like, the first thing I had to do was set up my rolling desk for my laptop, right? <laughs> and it's like a stupidest job, but it came out of a box and I had to set it up. And there were two ladies at the front desk and I was so excited and they were like, kind of looked at me like, why are you so, why are you, <laughs> why are you so hype? Why are you so excited? Why are you so just happy to be here? And I was like, kind of like, why wouldn't I be? And they kind of turned and one of them said to me something I, I don't think I'll ever forget. And they're like, don't worry, like, give it time. This place will suck your soul. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, like this is, you know, day two, oh day three. My gosh. And it's like, no, no, wait for it. This is gonna ruin you. This is gonna suck. And you're like, everything that I've built up to in this point, the favorite moment I just talked about in PT school, kind of the idea of being a physical therapist, helping people. If you have that altruistic nature within you inherently, I think like that was it. In the moment, it was a shock to the system, but not like, it didn't reverberate throughout me. It was kind of like, oh, well, I'm still super excited. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> just, ride it. I'm gonna play it I'm gonna enjoy it, yeah. So I just kept going. But then later on, as time went on, I started to kind of see that. And I think part of it is where we get into the negatives of our profession of potentially un, I, dare I say, like unreasonable expectations in terms of productivity or documentation and time and, it, it, it's a tough scenario and system, and it's not necessarily unique to us as physical therapists. I think a lot of different professions, one within healthcare and the medical field go through it, but two, just overall, like there's a lot more documentation I think out there than we realize. And I think PTs, we may kind of have a little bit of a narrow focus on that of like, oh, we have so much documentation. I used to work like 11 hours at the clinic, you know, eight and a half, eight hours treating, and then like almost three hours of documenting if I had a couple evals, because when I treat, I try and give as much attention as I can to the patient that's in front of me. 
because I think more than almost anything, they're looking to me for guidance and they're looking for me, like to me for help. And I think that if you can provide that, even if you don't quote unquote, get them better. I've had patients tell me like, I, you know, I had spinal fusion surgery and you know, the tingling in my leg didn't go away, but I just feel so much better about where I am right now, understanding what I can do. And like, you've really helped me just feel empowered. And that was towards the like, end of my time when I was feeling the most burnt out, the most like, you know, just like fucked by everything that was going on. That even in that time, I was able to make that kind of impact on somebody's life that it wasn't perfect, but it was still very significant to them. And so I think there's a reality there in itself where it's like it can be super rewarding but also very draining and then also very i i don't want to call it toxic i there are there are fantastic people in our profession and there are some people who will complain and complain and complain about the same things and not try and do anything about them to remedy or fix it or change it or say hey what if in question even if you just question it and say what if we tried something a little bit different what if we and like and some people aren't willing to try that and so for me, that was a buildup of reasons as to why I got out of the scenario that I was in at that job position. But I just think that there's so much that you can do even within the reality, right? With regard to your expectation of being able to help people, that it becomes, it's, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to help someone, I, I hope you can know, like, you're going to change people's lives. If you go in with this idea of, I'm trying to give everything I can to help you. If not, like I still up fine at night, except on Sunday nights. Because, <laughs> you know, Sunday scaries type thing. But like I still up fine at night knowing that I tried to give everything I could to the person that was in front of me. And if you do that, I think as a student or a, as a you know, PT student on clinical or as a physical therapist, like you're doing the right thing. And I think you'll be okay and you'll figure it out if you remember why. And so the expectation is you're going to do this and it's going to be all, you know, I don't know, roses. What's the, there's a phrase. What's the phrase? Uh, I don't know. There is a phrase. There is a phrase. I don't don't know. (laughs) That's not the phrase, obviously, but that's like why I can come up with it. But it's not necessarily all. It's all, it's not all daisies. Daisies and roses? Daisies and roses. I don't know. We're making that up. We're going to make it. I like it. Daisies are great flowers. Roses are characteristically important. So like, it's not necessarily gonna be perfect, but you can still have a profound impact even when it sucks. And I think that like, there's so much you can do. So if you're a student, one, it's trying to figure out, can you find a situation that works well for what your expectations are? And this is where it gets into like interviewing and looking for a job, trying to go, okay, let me look at job listings and see, okay, does this align with how many patients I might wanna see in an hour or you know, in a day or what kind of, I, I, not even get into benefits and what's offered there, but do they even talk about mentorship as an opportunity? Because I think everybody can benefit and should have mentorship in some capacity or like collaboration, right? Even for people who are quote unquote older clinicians. But then you look into, okay, once you go and you see a place, can you talk to other people and get a feel for what the clinic is like? How do they feel about where they're at? And this gets into very abstract things that I think you'll understand more as you get closer to it and you go through it of like, I asked, you know, the guy, one of the guys that worked there who had been there for eight years, like, hey, like, so what's it like working at this clinic? You know, like, is it good, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's good. Now they were going through a lot of changes at this place. Um, it was kind of becoming more corporatized. They were going, at that time, like, they had just gone from pen and paper to EMR 
for the first time. So like, there was a lot of changes to make sense of. So I, you know, I'm not faulting him for giving me quote like wrong or false or misleading information in any capacity. Scott is a really good guy. But like, you, you want to ask questions to try and feel out, okay, what are my expectations? And then what is potentially the reality of what may be here? And try and go, okay, my expectations may be a little bit too rosy, potentially. And then go, all right, if I knock that down a bit and then say, okay, what's here? Then you may have a better meet in the middle. And I think that will help people with, a, I don't say avoiding burnout, because I think even if you do something you love too much, too fast for too long, you're going to quote, burnout, um, which touch, touches upon an entirely different subject of burnout within physical physical therapy. But I think that's a great perspective tool to keep in mind. So, you know, going into the expectations and realities and coming out the other side, not necessarily knowing that you wanted to be in this. And then, you, yes, you quit yeah. your job. Where are you now? Wow, that's like so open-ended. I was at my first outpatient, I was at my first job for about eight months. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I need to make a change to try and pursue something that is more in line, one, with openness to trying new and different things that are a little bit more, I'll call it 21st century PT of like marketing towards direct access rather than relying on referrals from physicians. Maryland, where I work as a physical therapist for just outside DC, has, I don't want to call it like unlimited, it's like unrestricted direct access. Mm -hmm. So like we have a, compared to other states, we have a, a fair amount of flexibility in how this goes. If you got to check in the laws for that, but to better, better understand that. But I, I wanted to do things a little bit differently. Try social media, try, you know, collaborating with personal trainers or with maybe with a CrossFit gym or with massage therapists. Because I had patients ask me like, hey, I'm almost done with PT. Do you know the massage therapist? Because this feels great. Or I like to be able to keep doing stuff, right? Like I. Now I'm starting to get active, like I'm kind of enjoying it. I you know, break a little bit of a sweat and it feels good and I'm feeling better. Do you know someone who could help me continue on this? And a personal trainer or I think physical therapists are in a fantastic position to be able to continue that along the continuum, which is a huge gap I think within like rehab to quote fitness that needs to be capitalized or can be capitalized on and I think we should capitalize on it. But I, I quit that job for a multitude of reasons, and then I was like, all right, I gotta move on to the next thing. <laughs> Actually, by the time I had my last day, I didn't have a job lined up to like start you know, the next Monday type thing, which is super scary. But within physical therapy, I think if you recognize that at the current moment that is being recorded, for the most part, our unemployment rate is like 1% or something disgusting. And so I could turn around, I've, you know, I could turn around tomorrow, go on Indeed, apply for five jobs. I'm probably gonna get two of them. If I'm a decent physical therapist, I have a decent resume and I look, in a semi put together, which isn't to set the bar low for you, but to hopefully give you a little bit of reassurance that if you want to try something different, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to try stuff, right? So that's what I was looking to do. So I looked, I was looking to try something different. So I ended up getting a, I'll call it a part-time job as an independent contractor with a home health uh, company where as a 1099 employee, they were super flexible and really great to me to say like, hey, do you want this patient? It's like out here. And you're like, eh, it's a little far outside my circle. So you could say no or be like, yeah, I'll take it. And they'd run it by you. And it was pretty simple and easy. They also were pen and paper when I started and then we switched to EMR. So like, I, I don't know if this is a thing that's following me or I don't know. <laughs> so I started doing that within home health and I, I enjoyed it. I, I tried to push people more than just like doing ankle pumps. And that's like, again, another conversation at a different time when it comes to the clinical, like, uh, what's, 
what's the word? It doesn't matter. But I, I was doing that, and I was I decided, and I was looking into starting my own practice because I knew that okay, there are certain things that I want to try that this company is probably like they're not letting me, and they're not wanting me. They're not. They don't want to go in the direction that I'm looking to. So I figured I would try to do it on my own because I figured that probably not a lot of companies are going to be open to it either. So I figured, okay, let me try it to do it by myself so that I can do it the way that I view is, quote, the, you know, for me, the best way to practice physical therapy. And so I've started, since started a mobile physical therapy practice, cash-based, private pay, out-of-network for insurance, mobile PT practice called Craft Physiotherapy. And I operate just outside D.C. and Maryland through Montgomery County, PG County, um, kind of the northern part of PG County if you're familiar with Maryland, to meet patients where they are, go to their home, go to their office, make it convenient and available for them. So when they go, I'm super busy, if traffic is a, is a bear in that area, parking sucks and you got to pay for parking no matter where you are, it's, hey, don't worry, I can take that on for you and I can meet you where you are, provide you one-on-one -on -one attention for the entire time that we need so that you get everything that you need and are looking for and be able to get better faster. And I personally think that like within this system, based on looking at numbers and how things play out with reimbursement rates and whatnot, that I can make a pretty decent living at it. And the cost to the patient, like the, the overall cost is still pretty similar to what would quote be billed by insurance. So it's like, I look at it as like you take out the middleman and this is my opinion. So you know, don't take this as necessarily a fact, but like you take out the middleman and then it allows you to be able to say, all right, Gabby, what do you need? To work on okay we're gonna get you back to being able to do you know overhead squats or all right you have trouble with like this at home all right well i can come to your house and see you know i don't, I don't know like ironing shirts laundry <laughs> or awful example but like, soccer so yeah like, or, like another thing like i could all right little johnny has like a soccer game on a saturday all right cool like i'll come see you like if you're cool with it i'll come to johnny's soccer practice or game and be like, hey, like we'll work on some stuff during his game, and you don't have to miss it necessarily. And it doesn't take time out of what you would already be doing, right? But you can still be there for when he gets out. So I, I think there's a, a service and availability piece that goes into it pretty significantly, and then also for what it allows me to do to not pass somebody off to a rehab aide who's a 20-year-old who's also in the beginning of their PT career, not trying to knock it, because I think it's an important experience for us to have as going to be PT students or going to be physical therapists. But for what I was trying to do and how I was looking to serve my patients, this seemed like the best way to do it with low overhead. Because, I mean, I don't have any money. I didn't, I, like, I didn't have any money to be able to say, oh, I'm going to rent out this space for you know, a month or a year or however long and open up. And I'm sure in PT school, like I, other PT schools, they do this project. But I, I had the, you know, the business and administration class where we went over as, all right, start your own PT practice. And I'm kind of like pumping my fist, you know, like, woohoo. Because you, you go through the numbers and you look at it and it's like, all right, for my, my group, it was a group of like four of us. Our numbers, and the, like, we went really super in detail, like almost too much in detail, our professor told us based on their notes. We were not going to be profitable for the first six years as a business. And it was going to cost us, it was like $350,000 to get the thing off the ground. And to not make money, you know, after you account for salaries and insurance and, you know, recognizing like, all right, you're going to have some form of depreciation of the things that you bought in year one towards year six. So you got to be able to save for that. So that when that high low table breaks, you can buy a new one and not like go under and be in a bad situation. So I, I think PT school sometimes, at least in my situation, in that situation, 
didn't do a great job of saying like, hey, here's a super accessible or potential way that you could do this. It's like, hey, it's going to cost you $300,000. And you're like, huh. well, for a lot of us that out there, like you may have loans that are over $100,000 and you're like, that's a cataclysmic you know, concept. So triple that. And how am I supposed to have that to start a business? So I think it kind of quells the, or it diminishes the entrepreneurial endeavor and potential of certain people who may have some spark within them to try that. And so mobile allows me to do that because I don't have a space I lease. I don't have a ton of equipment. I've got a 20 pound and a 10 pound kettlebell. I've got a five pound, a three pound, and a two pound pair of dumbbells. I've got some TheraBand on it just because. You know, I've got like a, not a grassing tool, but a, you know, another instrument assisted soft tissue mobility mobilization tool. And I, you know, I've got my hands and I've got a, like an edge mobility band and I've got a portable edge suspension trainer for a little bit of rows and some other things. And then from the, and a, a portable massage table. And then I have an iPad, like I run my business out of an iPad, which is kind of crazy. I bought that iPad for $300 and I can run a business out of it, right? Like we are in that era of the internet and technology where like if you have a passion, you could probably pursue it. And within PT, you can also do the same thing. So that's how I have run and gone that direction. So that's where I am right now, getting out of and running. I do workshops for local gym facilities. So Hey, here's a free thing to help with your spot mobility. If you've got pain or you're feeling a little stiff or I've got a couple lined up for like healthy shoulders or making sense of low back pain so that you provide value to people, get yourself in front of people to show them that you can provide them value and help them fix the problem that they have. And then go that route of being able to then serve and provide to them the value that you can give as a physical therapist. And it's not all, you know, I, I think I've done a good job of like, being like, look what you can do. But it's not necessarily perfect either. I got to be honest on that. Like I, this month I was quote profitable, but I haven't made a ton of money either. I'm very fortunate to have a significant other that I live with who can pay you know our rent for right now and take care of food and a couple other expenses, and I can kind of float. And that's what I used my home health job for in the beginning, and now I'm starting to get to a point where I can move away from that. But it's not necessarily going to be easy just because I said, oh, it's low overhead and it's more accessible and blah blah blah. So. That's where I am right now, and then it's just, I'm at this mastermind to be able to say, okay, how can I grow this? How can I better message and learn about how to do the business aspect of physical therapy to have better skills in sales and marketing to then be able to reach the people that I want to be able to help that really, people need our help. And I think that's something that we forget, and sometimes we can get, our own, get in our own heads about of, there are people that need our help, so like, let's meet them there, but how do you do that? through business, through marketing, through sales, and to be able to understand how do you relate a story so that they can relate to it, de develop authority and credibility and trust and relationship, and then be able to provide that service and that value to them as they perceive it. Because what we think they, what, what we feel they need is different than what they want. And there's, again, another conversation for another day, but <laughs> Hit me back if you want to talk more about that. <laughs> a lot of conversations. A lot of conversations. Honestly, honestly for, for any PT student or physical therapist who's like listening to this, if you're going, yeah, there's a little tangent there that could go for its own. Let's see. I'm going to say 45 minutes. Oh, man. Um, hit me up, and I'd be more than willing to talk with you about it for free. Like, I, I'm not, like, trying to make money off of, oh, I'm trying to coach you or anything like that. For, like, I, for me, I just enjoy, like, conversing like this and, and conversing in that I talk for 40 minutes when you guys ask two questions. Um, but actually, I, I really love hearing other people's stories also and it's to make it less, like, about me. So if you're someone out there that's, like, listening and going, hey, I'd love to talk more about this, like, 
please feel free to hit me up. We'll talk about that at the end, how you can find me. But, and also, yeah. Sorry. where can we find you? Because Sorry. you have some... This isn't the end, but where can we find Woo. you? Yes. <laughs> where, where can we find you on your, social media? Too. All right. So yes. if you're looking to follow along with what I'm doing within like my business, Craft Physiotherapy, you can find me on Instagram. It's probably the best place, at craft. C R A F T dot physio P H Y S I O. You're well, thinking really hard. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm also a huge football fan, so Robert Kraft is with oh. a K for the Patriots, the owner of the Patriots. So don't get that mixed up because I have a C. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's like my quote professional physical therapy uh, Instagram. It's also the same thing on Facebook, but pretty much everything that was Instagram was Facebook for me because that's how it works. Or if you want to listen to, I actually talk with other physical therapists about their stories on my podcast. It's called the PT Mind Flip. Just to really a, a platform to share people's stories and physical therapists of what they've gone through, what you know, where they've been in their journey to up to their point. So it's another place to hear other people talk and share their stories. If you're interested in, honestly, if you're interested in being on that, hit me up because like, I, again, I'm not really ever against talking with people. So and I promise I listen a lot more on that one than I do talk. So <laughs> p at PT Mind Flip on Instagram is probably the best way to find both of those. It is such a great podcast. I was just telling Phil, like I've just been Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> I've just been listening to them and I'm I'm on one, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this episode. So definitely check out the PT Mind Flip because you do such a great job and the guests that you've had so far have been amazing. Would agree. How has accountability helped you in this with other people, with other groups, with etc. life? Wow. Okay, now I mean it yourself. <laughs> wow. Um, I feel like you framed that because, uh, so for those of you who don't know, that's not nobody why I knows. It. <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's kind of bullshit because Sarah, Sarah and I have been accountability, quote, accountability partners pretty much since we met. That's like how we met through SSPT. Smart Success Physical Therapy with Greg Todd. We joined that program at the same time, and it was just like a random selection that we ended up kind of, you know, being connected and then talking each week and going from there. So first and foremost, you have to have accountability to yourself. I think you have to look at what do I hold near and dear to my heart? What do I value most? It doesn't have to necessarily be write it down, but it's one of those things like sit on your couch for five to 10 minutes with no one around with your phone face down on the kitchen counter like 20 feet away from you and literally just think for a hot second. What is most important to you? And then I think you can start to find, okay, here's what I value, here's what I want. Find like-minded people that are gonna try and do similar things or strive towards similar accolades and levels and et cetera, et cetera. And that may be through like a, a program like SSPT or to give another shout out to uh, a different program, Danny Matei and the Gym PT Blueprint, also another fantastic resource that I have gone through myself with his online course and program. Or it could just be like conversations you have with people that are in your PT program or you know other like classmates or honestly, significant others, patients. I, I just was yesterday at LA Fitness near me with a guy who used to be a rehab aide at the clinic I worked at in my first job. He's a personal trainer looking to join the fire department, totally unrelated, but he, like I was texting with him back and forth and then I went and met up with him and it was like, oh dude, like I, I know you're gonna be, you're gonna do really great with this. Cause like, you know, I, he felt that I did a good job with 
being a PT and with my patients when he when he saw me at the clinic. So even just keeping certain relationships and checking in with people and trying to be connected, almost, I, I really feel like no matter who it is, as long as they're willing to converse with you about like where you're at, what you're trying to do, and keep an open mind and perspective to what it is you're trying to pursue, that you're gonna have some level of accountability. Because even that conversation with Vic yesterday was like, oh shit, like here's a guy who thinks that I can do this. And if like, almost like if I don't, like not that I've let him down, but there's, it's almost like if you see an athlete, right, that has great talent, and then they just waste it. You're like, oh, if I was six foot five, I could play it in the NBA. Also, for the record, I applied for the 2014 NBA draft. There's a little tidbit for you. Ask me about it later. <laughs> like, you, you'll, you hate to see it. So, like, if you're, I, I think a lot of PTs can be great PTs. And so, if you are looking for not necessarily more, but to ensure that you keep true to what you value, then having accountability almost in any capacity is going to be beneficial to you. Whether it's another PT, whether it's like I am right now talking with PT students, with you guys on this podcast and every other PT student that's out there or other physical therapists that I know personally have worked with or that I are across the country that are on Instagram, on Facebook, on whatever, I think is a valuable resource for accountability. I think we really just need to do a better job of networking and trying to connect rather than getting stuck in the pigeonhole of I treat, I go home, I sleep, I come back, I treat, I do documentation like 6,000 times in between, I go home, I sleep and, and repeat, right? So there's no one right answer for accountability, I think. I think there are some other paid resources, but I think there are also some free resources of, like people are, it's amazing, especially as students, like if you ask someone for help or like for assistance, they're so willing to help you. There's, they, I, I, there's not anything about being a student, is like people wanna help students because they're looking to learn. Right, so if, I think if you approach almost anything of like, hey, I'm looking to learn more about X, or I'm looking to learn more about, or I'm looking to better myself as, then I think you'll eventually find something that really allows you to have the accountability that you are talking about, Sarah. And, and last one. Last question. Last question. <laughs> what advice do oh, you have? Yes. Current SBTs. Current. You you've given a lot of advice. Let's just prep yeah, summarize. Summarize. All right. I'll, uh, let's see. Sixty seconds for SBT student physical therapist. It's not going to be sixty seconds <laughs> because I think that's the point. Is that like you can't give advice in sixty seconds? And I'm going to say something that was told to me, literally two days after I graduated from somebody that I really look up to, and I'm not going to tell you his name because I want to keep that a secret because that's my resource. Two days after I graduated, I was down in Maryland and I spoke with another physical therapist and he told me something that I will never forget. It's not when you want to do something, it's when you need to do something. Because I walked in there as like, I just graduated, you know, high on life. I just finished PT school. I got that DPT. I'm ready to conquer the world, <laughs> right? And I was like, I want to do something, I just don't know what. And he's like, no, whoa, whoa. it's not when you want to do something, it's when you need to do something. And I think if you can find the things that you need to do that really speak to who you are as a person, that really speak to the values that you have inside you of how you're trying to practice, of how you're trying to serve people, help patients, just give to the world within your knowledge and expertise as going to be and to be physical therapists and even as current student physical therapists, 
you're gonna have a profound effect on people. And it's, it's, it can be hard to remember that, but I think if you go, all right, what do I need to do? And then follow that. I think you really can't go wrong. Do everything you can to understand that like there is a certain amount of a game that you need to play, but that it's not necessarily the end all be all. I didn't have the best grades, but I didn't have the worst grades either. And I think I can be a pretty, like I'm, I can't believe like where I was six months ago and where I was a year ago. Like the PTA I was then, oh my God, I wish I could go back to those patients and like help them now. Cause I'm so much better now than I was then. You're, if you always look and strive to be better, I think you really will put yourself in the best scenario to do the things that speak to you as a person so you feel fulfilled, that make you happy and provide value and help other people. And I don't think you can go wrong from there. That's my advice. Find that and you guys are fucking golden. You can't go wrong. It's, that's it. That's, that's life, no? That's like, life, yeah, no, that's it. Sorry, I'm done. Seriously, <laughs> mic drop. Ooh, Insert, out. oh my gosh, mic drop there. Phil, it was so good to have this conversation with you and thank you for giving your insight into everything. I mean, your story and your job and what you're doing now, a lot of students are gonna resonate with this or even if they had this thought of like, the way our profession is going now and thinking, I don't want to work in an insurance space and I want to do cash and it's really uncomfortable. Like all these things together to have you just say it out loud and have someone hear it. It's going to be really, really special and people are going to reach out to you. So. And I absolutely encourage it. I, I will chat and listen. And by chat, I mean, listen, <laughs> shut up, Sarah. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I will. I'd be more than happy to talk with anybody out there that wants to reach out and just like vent to me of what their story is, or ask, you know, hey, I got a question, or yeah, hit me up. This is. I think this is like what humanity and life is about is like connecting, mm -hmm. yes. right? That interpersonal relationship um, and how we cultivate that as a society, and then how can we use that to better what we're doing? And for us, it's being physical therapists and then serving other people. So, yeah. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for letting me chat. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.